We're live. All right, welcome everybody. Schaefer Baseball Report. Another week. We got Andrew Wontulzike. We got Coach Chris McKnight with us, and then we got a special guest coming on today. Uh, Georgetown head coach Edwin Thompson. Um, we have some connectivity. Yeah, he, uh, he was a terrapin for a while, so uh, we'll touch on that a little bit. But um, crazy, uh, crazy journey up to New York this weekend. Yeah. This past week, it's cold. We, oh my gosh, it was brutal, man. I was not prepared for that, you know. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't even like okay, I took like a, just a regular like winter coat, whatever. And I'm like, okay, I'm only gonna go from the hotel to the car, car to the restaurant, car to the theater, you know, whatever. I'm not gonna be outside that right. much. Uh, uh-uh, man. You know? are, you, are you are you tired of the cold already? Well, I grew up in that stuff. Well, I know, then. but you go back up to it; it's a little colder than. When oh, you lived absolutely, in it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it was cold down here and everybody was complaining. Yeah. Um, you know, and then it was just, it was, it was brutal, brutal up there, but I got to, I uh, got stopped at MLBPA, which I usually go up about, I don't know, every quarter, every, every six months or whatever, and just, uh, you know, connect. They've, they've been huge with our, uh, our matching funds for UDACF. Um, we got five of us that are former major league guys that donate to, uh, you deserve a chance foundation. And then, um, they turn around and, um, match the funds um, awesome. that they donate to us. So it's uh, it's it's pretty cool. It's a big part of our, you know, what we do with UDACF and you know keeping kids engaged in the game and scholarship and players. To, uh, you know, for different scenarios, not just academics, but you know, everything from uh, you know tuitions, uh, fees to equipment. We just sent um, down to Jerry Bruce. We just sent a jugs pitching machine down to him in Arkansas. Awesome. Pretty cool thing, man. Good, good dude. And he, um, you know, we followed him from the beginning. He called and asked, he sort of, you deserve a chance foundation called and asked and laid out his whole, you know, situation down there, underserved community, uh, predominantly African-American. And, um, you know, they had a building, they got kicked out of that building, you know, cause somebody wanted to rent it for more or sure. whatever. And then, uh, he sent me pictures in, in cold weather like this, these kids taking ground balls, um, you know, on pavement. Ooh. So, but they've gotten into a facility. They got some other assistance down there. And uh, he asked if, um, you know, we have access to a pitching machine. And we did. And um, so we, we boxed that up. I don't know if we boxed it up. That was pretty good. We put it on a, uh, you know, on a uh, pallet. And uh, it's down there. So excited for them. We'll get some pictures of that. And uh, so that, that's that been a big piece So those monies that come into You Deserve a Chance Foundation. You know, I mean, again, we're, we're proud and we say this every single year, even when we're at our gala, <laughs> is um, we've never taken a dime in and any, out. anything. Yep. You know, it, it comes in and it goes out to players, goes out to uh, scholarships, goes out to equipment. Um, so it's pretty cool. We're, 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 we're creeping towards a million dollars a million dollars yeah we're uh i say million i mean with two hundred thousand, we're at eight hundred thousand, right that we've done close to do a million and zero yeah well yeah but you know you know how long two two hundred thousand for us is probably another three years to 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 knock that down but you know hey unless someone wants to you know donate to udacf put it in man very very simple but i mean it's just out of a concept of having like a an event Mm -hmm. a home play gala you know and kind of celebrating uh, people in in our in our community that you know that may have some celebrity in the game, but it's not about their celebrity. It's not about wins and losses. It's not about you know what levels they played at. It's about what they've done with their celebrity to better the lives of others. Mm-hmm. You know to put themselves in that position. So um, you know, pretty cool. Um, so up in New York, you know, keep things uh, in check here. I, I got to go see my grandson 
perform in Cinderella, and he was Topher, the uh, the, the you know the prince. It was a great video. I saw it. I saw it on Facebook. It Isn't great. it amazing? Yeah, it's amazing. So he, so people don't know, my grandson is uh, he has Asperger's, um, and he has just crushed every obstacle in front of him along the way it's just been amazing to watch he's a special special kid and he's been in this west hampton theater group for years and you age out this yeah. is his last time mm -hmm. and uh you know he's always just said to me poppy i just I, you know i want to be in the lead i want to be in the lead you know and and um he got it and you know my sister was saying he's he's in the shower singing you know preparing and uh, he probably gets all that from you hollywood Hollywood. Yeah. I don't know that I could have done theater, but so here's, here's a cool <laughs> thing, right? So he has a girlfriend um, and uh, sweet, sweet girl. And the first night was Friday night was the first show. And he, you know, had a two kissing scenes. Right. So the first one, he kind of like, you know, they put the, the hand on the cheek and he didn't really kiss her. And then the second scene the hand wasn't there and he kind of kissed the cheek. Now, I don't think he's kissed any other girl except his girlfriend and his mother, right? Um, so the next day, we go Saturday for the matinee show. In the kissing scene, he locks in, man. He locks lips. He's going hard. He's got his hands on her face like that. I'm like, holy cow, I'm looking at his dad. He's like, look at this. <laughs> the second one went longer than that, right? Then there was a show Saturday night, which I didn't go to, that my, my brother-in-law and my sister went to, and he said... Uh, they were even longer kisses. Okay. <laughs> so, so he's in trouble, man. He's, uh, you know, so he went from like uh, this innocent little dude to like a player. So we, we got, we got things to worry about with him, but, uh, um, gets that from you too. Oh, I bet. You got a lot of, I, I it, did he get any good traits from me? I mean, that could be a good trait in I one guess, way, I but guess, probably I, not in the I other guess. way. But yeah, but again, thank you to MLVPA, yeah. uh, the players association, which is our union for former major league players and what they've, uh, you know, the support that they've given us along the way. And, you know, there's more programs coming, coming through with them. It was good. It was a good time up there. Um, Academy stuff. We're close. Mm -hmm. We, uh, we've, we're building the website. So for you guys that know or don't know, um, we are transitioning out of teams. We have one more team next year that we'll finish up with families that have been, you know, loyal to us and make sure that those guys get placed. But we are transitioning into uh, an Academy like PDG and pro five and, uh, combine and all those other guys it just seems to be uh, another avenue that is 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 gaining traction yeah. um, in terms of the uh, the high school athlete and the post grad athlete. So, and the reason that we're doing it is trying to create a portal. And we'll have this conversation with Edwin when we get to it. Is you know the high school kids it's extremely difficult for high school freshmen to get on the field and play at sure. this point, right? I mean, there's it, it's tough, and it's easy. It's tough for them just to be recruited because the the portal. You know, you have battle-tested players out there that you're trying to bring into your program. And, you know, the coaching ranks in college baseball has changed. I mean, they used to be guys that sat around for 30 years, and whether they won or lost didn't matter. They were just there, yeah. basically an admissions-based um, program. Now, you know, these guys are getting paid pretty good, and, you know, they're chasing – you know, they're on, they're on TV every week, you know, so the attention is, you know, on their university, on their program, and these guys are getting paid. You know, I mean, it's 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 a different career now. There's a path to uh, some financial security as well as doing exactly what you love to do. Um, so, you know, with these kids have to compete with with guys coming out of the portal. So to take that bridge year, that gap year, make them bigger, stronger, faster, uh, compete against JUCOs and Division twos, and actually they're playing college baseball. 
except they're not going to lose their eligibility so they can step into a four-year program and be a freshman mm -hmm. and go from there and, uh, you know, and be a little bit more prepared to, um, to compete. I read, a, I read a book called Outliers years ago, and we did it with our boys and basically saying that, you know, obviously the older kid in a grade – is a more successful kid. You know, he's more physical, he's more social, yada, yada, yada. yada. And, um, you know, and 10,000 hours to master something, right? So if you, the more hours you can put in honing your craft before you get to that next level, the better off you're going to be. So that's, you know, that's what we're doing. We're not trying to pick apart high school programs mm -hmm. or things like that. It's the last thing. And I know people are going to say that and think that's what's going on. It's just, it's the trend and it's, uh, the portal created this as much as, you know, uh, the need for an athlete to be more physical. You know, we talk about the eyeball test every time a guy gets off the mm -hmm. off the bus. Does he pass? You know, does he pass the eyeball test? You know, I mean, one of the things that um, Randy Hood said about Dylan when Dylan got down to Wilmington is he's much bigger than I thought he was. You know, so I think they assume that you know, I mean, Dylan's taller than I am, and he's you know, obviously he's he's, he's stronger than I was at that at that age. But he was he was pleasantly surprised when Dylan came through his camp and he saw that, you know, there's size here and there's, you know, there's a frame to, to add on to. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just some some skinny kid that had some some skill set. Yeah. So but um, yeah, that was uh, so good. Good weekend up there. Cold, um, you know, a lot of things going on here. We built we built a batting a turtle the other day that was yep. that was that was good that was nice man that's you know that's the, the old dinosaur the hauling that thing around pulling that now you have that yeah. lightweight thing that we uh push with one finger one person pull it in and out and so that was that's a good project we got the the entranceway getting done the deck you saw the deck out there the the two-tier deck yeah. behind right that's field totally good. it's uh it's pretty exciting and it's uh i think i think the guys here at queens are you know they're doing they're doing the right thing um and it's kind of a parallel when we talk to, I want to talk to Edwin about too, because, you know, they've taken a program and, and kind of had to massage it. Mm -hmm. And they've gone from different levels where Edwin's, uh, you know, Edwin's grabbed the program that, you know, hadn't had success in terms of wins and losses, probably had success as far as the, uh, the student athlete goes, you know, cause it's Georgetown university, but um, obviously that, that has changed. Yep. Chris, what's going on there in, uh, in your world? Oh, just cold, man. That's about it. <laughs> just cold. Just cold. Yeah. Yeah. Don't want to go but, back to New York either, because when we were lived in New York, you remember it was cold, but we were younger. Yeah. Now it's even colder because we're older. <laughs> no, it's, I was up there, and you know, snow on the ground, and that's how we, you know, that's how we started our season. I mean, most of us, everybody yeah. on the island starts in a gym, you know, and you yeah. got you got a, you got a cage, and you know, you're hitting ground balls off that hardwood, and. There's some wicked hops off that hardwood because you got the seams on the baseballs, and mm -hmm. um, so it's uh, it was uh, it was a good a good training tool as well. But you usually just stepped outside on game one and and went after it. So it's it was interesting to be up there and and, and see the get. I always stay right near the Long Island Duck Stadium. Oh yeah, stay, yeah, the hotels that are yep. right there. They're never playing when I'm there, but um, just kind of comfort level, I guess, for me. But, uh, so let's uh, let, let's bring in let's bring in Edwin and uh, and we'll uh, we'll start it. There we go. All right. Well, we got uh, Edwin Thompson, head coach, Georgetown University, job in 2020. Um, has had a journey. Has cut his teeth in in, uh, in several different places. Um, started off coaching University uh, of Maine, Bates up north, 
uh, went to Duke, was actually uh, an interim head coach at Duke for a month. Uh, pretty pretty cool. I'm, I'm curious to hear about that one. Georgia State, uh, and then went to Eastern Kentucky, a very successful program, built, you know, just turned some things around and um, has created uh, uh, created a really good environment there, not only athletically, but academically. He's had a series of All-American, team All-American academic programs, uh, ABCA Award. Move on. He was there, um, and now he's at uh, he's at Georgetown University since, uh, since 2020. Um, everybody, welcome uh, Edwin Thompson. Hey guys, thanks for having me on, Jeff. Great to connect, and excited to uh, talk some baseball today. No, it's good. We've uh, we've we've been in contact for you know for quite a while. You know, um, obviously uh, his playing days. Uh, he was at uh, Howard University and, and, and played in three different schools, Howard University, where he started off, and then uh, University of Maryland and then finished up at Weber in Florida. Um, Howard, was Chuck Hinton there when you were? Yep. Yeah, Chuck was uh, our head coach. Um, you know, I was I was a portal kid before the portal was real, I guess, you know, looking yeah. at it now. Um, we had I was there at Howard, went there my freshman year, sophomore year, got hurt. And they decided to drop the baseball program. And they kind of told us in advance, like, hey, this is coming down the road. And um, I was actually playing in the Eddie Brooks League with a couple of guys from University of Maryland. And, you know, Coach Kelly Kalina came out and watched us play. And I was like, hey, you know, just watch his players. And I was like, hey, I'm looking for a home. And next thing you know, kind of, you know, Tom, Tom Bradley was a coach. And uh, I was able to kind of get over to Maryland um, where I played there. But then he got, he got fired in the middle of the summertime. I'll never forget. I was working a summer camp. And Tom coach Bradley came in and was like, Hey, well, good luck. I'm, I'm leaving going. I just got fired. And I was like, you know, transferring in, you're kind of like unknown. What do you do and how do you do it? And then uh, I was there for Terry Rupp's first year, two years, I think. And then I went down to Weber university where I finished up a uh, great NAI school, kind of a good fit for me to kind of get out and play every day. So being a kid from Maine uh, to play in Florida was great, but also play at Maryland. We're in your ACC uh, with current head coach, Matt Swope, um, who we're close friends now. So it's kind of fun to see us. Uh, still in the game. So, uh, but it's been quite the journey from a, from a playing standpoint, but I had three schools and I guess five, six years, I don't remember, but it was, uh, it was a good, good time. <laughs> yeah. I would say I, I'm surprised um, that Matt hasn't named his all kids like Terp, you know, that, that show where they went like my, my brother, Daryl, my brother, Daryl and Daryl, like swoop is like diehard Maryland fan since he was a kid, his whole family went there and he's, uh, he's done everything from volley to ops to yeah. assistant to, uh, to head coach there now. And, um, you know, if, if, if you're looking at somebody that's going to, um, uh, put longevity into a university, you know, you would, ha you would have to bet on him doing that. Yeah, no but, doubt. Um, so, um, Georgetown, I mean, I competed against Georgetown before, when Chuck was there, when I was at Maryland and then, yeah. uh, yeah, we did. Then the program went down. That was kind of a sad scenario, but, um, you know, the success, the success of the program itself over all these years, um, based on wins and losses, wasn't very strong. Um, obviously, I don't know that they had a winning season up until you got there, really. Um, and then you take the program over in 2020, um, get COVID dinged, right? I mean, that year. Well, I was there. I got hired in 20. I was My first season was 21. 21. So I got hired in the, in the, in the fall of September 20. Um, we had seven days of practice in, in March. We'd had a shortened season. So I, I met the team. I was in Kentucky at the time and we came up here. Um, we, we got told we were having a March, I had to move up here in two weeks, my family. And it was kind of a, um, they talk about drinking out of a fire hose. It was just, 
I would say it was just more like an ocean. It was just coming at us. The kids weren't on campus. They're all in hotels. They're all in Zoom classes. Um, but we had a season. Uh, we won some games. Somehow I, I, that group was special um, to always be group, grateful for that group to kind of just set the foundation of kind of how we wanted to play. And we, we were competitive. We just didn't, we just didn't have any reps. We had no fall, no preseason practice and um, seven days of practice. We did the best we could, but uh, you know, we got through that season and then we kind of had a chance to kind of settle ourselves and, you know, get, get a, get a full fall. Uh, our first fall um, was in 2021. So our first full season was 22. And then you know, this is my third full season here uh, overall. Well, you did a good job because in, you know, the, it, it went, what was like, the COVID year was like four wins. And then, you know, the next year was six wins. And then you guys went over 500 uh, the last two years that you've been there. So that's, that's an entire culture change. That's entire roster change. So when you went in there, uh, did the school say, okay, honor these athletes that are in there um, and uh, we'll work it out going forward. Or were you given Liberty to go, okay, I have, I have an idea of how I want to do this and how I have to go about it and um, gave you free reign. Yeah, I think, you know, like anything, anytime there's a change, there's always um, players that buy in. And we have a lot of core group of kids that have been, there, been with us since our, we first got here. Uh, and really, we didn't – the last two years uh, of, of – so the 22 and the 23 season after, we didn't lose any players to the portal. Um, so we, we've been very fortunate of getting the right people. Uh, but that first year, there was some transition. There were some, some players that, you know, that chose to go other places. You know, we, we were, we were going to support – um, there was many kids that were on our roster that were you know, on campus, to be honest, that were not playing. They just we honored their their situation. They felt that they wanted something different with their time. And uh, that was fine. We supported them. And, you know, often we are at Georgetown, so it's hard to leave, you know, that degree. And I think um, we had some turnover that first year. But for the most part, we had a lot of kids stick stick, stick through what we wanted to do. And um, now they're you know, this group of seniors is, is, is our you know, they've been playing since freshmen. So it's a fun group to to kind of see that growth of the program, but also see the kids um, in our attorney, but our, our, our administration supports our decision, but we always try to honor the kids that were here. I always treat kids that I, they're my kids, you know, they weren't just sure. you know, waiting for, you know, it's just, it's a cliche, but it is true. Like I, they were here, we were here, they, they, you know, I chose, they chose Georgetown. They chose, I chose Georgetown. So we, we've had the same, someone similar in common. Then it was just a matter of aligning, you know, our values and our beliefs and our vision to make sure that they kind of bought into that. So that was kind of how that work, worked out that first year. But like I said, last two years, We've had zero kids that are underclassmen on our roster leave our program. Yeah, that's amazing. That that that's just a testament to your to your program, mm -hmm. to your staff, and, you know, and to the academic reputation of the institution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that has to be uh, an an interesting piece. To, you know, you, you're taking over a program that kind of just limped along for a while, um, established but limped along in a tough conference. You know, the Big East is nothing to uh, um, to sneeze at. And but you have to you, you, the right player has to come in there because most of your players are academic minded before they are athletically minded. I mean, there's several schools across the country that people are just going to go there because of the baseball. But, you know, the future of most of these kids are you know, their academics, and not their athletics. So how do you how do you find that athlete um, specific to a school like? That? Yeah, I think that like anything, you try to recruit good people, uh, no matter where I've ever been at, you recruit good people as a starting point. Uh, then that, that allows you to work with, let them help them develop and grow um, as people, as, as men. And then if they have a willingness and a want to, to become really great in, in, in an area academically, it typically falls behind baseball. It's very similar, right? They have very similar traits. 
So you, 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 academic places like I've been at, I've been fortunate to be at, you know, Bates, Duke, and now here um, that are premier academics. Obviously, right. every school I've been at is great, but that you're going to typically attract a really high level academic. But they have a desire and they have a passion. And so what you try to do is find really good baseball players that happen to be really good students. And that that's a it's a unique blend. And, and that, like I said, complain it in the Big East. We had, you know, a two bid league last year for mid major, you know, really tough competitive conference. Um, so it's just finding that that balance of, of kids that, you know, I always say, I don't want I don't want you always in a library. I don't always want you in the in the batting cage or on, on the field. I don't always want you obviously in the social aspect of Washington, D.C. There's got to be a balance of all three. And so I think those things are are just how we try to approach that. Um, with our with our kids that we try to attract but then once they get here it's trying to keep them um, at the bigger picture of life and ultimately balancing out between baseball and school and, and, the, and the academics that we do have I wish somebody would have told me that when I was at Maryland because my freshman year I was at the VU and I ended up hitting 240 and then I got out of the VU and the next year I hit 350 so <laughs> <laughs> so but yeah so when you know and Chris will tell you because with advocacy we're placing kids all over you know the person that a kid goes to play for is, is critical to me right and that's one of the reasons dylan ended up where he did and um you know and you want to put the you want to put you want to trust who you're putting your kid with in terms of developing him as a young man not just as a baseball player and you know that's you know that should be paramount on any parent that's putting their putting their kid anywhere one of the first um well, Edwin was the first person that we called when Mitchell Salvino was getting ready to uh, to move, you know, to move on from Washington Lee and had two years left. And and Edwin was more than gracious and uh, engaged with us about Mitchell and everything like that. And then we started to take him around and obviously he ended up at Wake Forest. But, uh, you know, we're appreciative of the attention that, uh, you know, that um, that you gave to him. And uh, um, but it's it's it's. You know, I, I don't worry about my son with who he's with, right? And and I say this every week, and Chris, you probably have the same guys. Chris probably has, because Chris coached in college, probably has kids that feel the same way about him. But Jack Jackson, who you know, Edwin, right? Coach Jackson from Maryland, he's 95 years old right now. I talk to him, two, I talk to him every two weeks, easily every two weeks. Uh, the guys on my, my Terp thread talk to him every two weeks. It's just, you know, you want uh, – you want that longevity, you know, because in in a way, it's it's it, it's a relationship, it's a marriage. It doesn't end after four years. Mm -hmm. it, it it should continue on, and these guys should be part of your alumni base and supporting the program and taking it to a certain level. So that's part of the culture, I assume, that you're building, you know, as well, um, because you're main you're keeping guys around. That's that's phenomenal, mm -hmm. Chris. That that's amazing. That guys are staying. Yeah, no, I, I think it, it, we're like tonight we have an alumni networking night. You know, our, our, our alumni are all over the world, all over the country that are so supportive of Georgetown. And I think you said like, you know, up until 2022 was our first winning season in over 30 years or 500 season or better. Right. So we've had back to back 31 seasons. Um, but that hasn't changed the people that, that Georgetown baseball has put out. They, they put out phenomenal human beings. And it's been so great to get to know those guys. And now that we have the last three years of some alumni, it's great to see them come back to our program. We had a third round pick last year, you know, you know, he's coming back to get honored here recently. So like those type of things are, we're able to really balance out um, all those things. And I think keeping a relationship, that's my like happy, happy time when they're, when they're, when they're moved on and um, I miss them, but like staying connected, you know, whether it be, Hey, I'm having, I'm getting married. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, going to be a father. I got this new job or just balance life, life stuff going on. I think that's part of being a coach, being a teacher, educator, to have that ability to try to, 
to keep them connected, you know, as long as they, I always say, as long as you want me in your life or you, I'm there for you. Right. And obviously every relationship is different, but it, it's always fun to have those you know, once they're done playing, it kind of, it's a little more relaxed when you see them the next time. So it's just, um, I'm still their coach, but they, they know it's a little more different environment. So it's always great to have those relationships. Yeah. And that, yeah. that, that definitely resonates with, with parents when they're first looking at schools, not just you're looking at their kid as an athlete, but you're really looking at is not even not a, even a student athlete. You're looking at it as a long term relationship with with the kid, the parents, and I think that gives a parent a feeling of ease when they're dropping their 18 year old kid off yeah. and say, "Okay, see you." <laughs> and now and now you know you got them, and it's a lot of responsibility on the coaches too. So yeah. I think that's one of the important things. Yeah, I mean, you think about you. You know, you start recruiting a kid you know, 16 years old, you know, as juniors and, you know, you got junior, senior and you got six years of, of college, you know, four years of college. And so that's six to seven years. You're going to have a relationship with them before they actually have a chance to go to that next phase in your life, whether it be professional baseball or just get into the work world. That's a really critical time. And I think that's what I love about college baseball. That's why I started coaching, you know, back, you know, 20 years ago now to be able to have that connection and to impact young people. It's, it's such a blessing to have that um, and, and be able to have that little small, you know, I tell them I'm not replacing your parents. I'm just going to kind of be your coach, but have that along the way that their, their journey, it's really fun to see their growth um, from, you know, 16 to 22 year old, you know, man, it's really, it's really fun. Tay, it, get, it gets scary when you start getting invited to weddings, but it gets even scarier when uh, they start having kids, <laughs> you know, like uh, this is uh we've gotten down this road, man. We've turned into OGs instead of just, uh, just good guys. <laughs> so, so, um, conversation gets brought up every week when we have, uh, we have head coaches on there because, you know, we want people to understand what the program, uh, uh, projectability wise you have for it and, and the type of athletes that you're looking for. You know, everybody has their own philosophy. Some guys, you know, going to go after power and, uh, and velo and other guys are going to go after you know pitchability and speed or something like that do you have do you have a niche do you have a favorite type of athlete edwin i mean you're an outfielder you're a fast guy you're a center fielder yeah you know do you look more, athletes more like yourself yeah, no i think it just it's it's year to year but I, I think in general i want competitive people i think if i have a competitive kid um that's the first step if i watch that kid play that um you know, and his great teammate, like if they go 0, 0 for 4, but they're on that rail cheering for their teammates and they're engaged, you know, I, I look at that. I watch the dugout a lot of times and I won't even look at how they, how I watch how that player interacts after a, a good or a bad at bat or, or, or play in the field or a good pitch or not. So uh, competitive people have to be there. Athletic is always going to be general, right? You want to have as many athletics players as you can on your roster uh, that can do multiple things, right? Play multiple sports in high school, can multiple positions. Um, you know, we have a couple of kids that in our class that can play three different positions, right? And that has value. You know, we're only, we only bring in about eight, eight to 10 kids a year, high school kids a year. Um, so we have a very limited number of, of, of spots that we try to recruit. So having kids that can do multiple positions or play, you know, pitch and hit, it just has a lot of value that we try to have. So versatility would probably be the other thing we try to, you know, outside of being a competitor, just being versatile um, are, are things we kind of traits we try to look for. And being the high academic institution that, that Georgetown is, how, how much do you guys look at the, the portal and, and junior college? Uh, we, I look at it, but I can't really do much. We've haven't had, we, we, we can, we, we haven't had any, we don't, 
we can't get transfers. Transfers are very difficult for us to get in academically. Um, so those are things that we don't live on. I'm fortunate in, in some ways because I don't have to deal with that um, or have to worry about, you know, really kids leaving and not saying it won't happen, but like I said, up until this point, it hasn't happened. Um, so we have taken graduate transfers, you know, from an Ivy League school or an ACC school or Big Ten school that finish their eligibility that want to transfer and get a Georgetown grad grad program. We have had guys do that. That's been very valuable for us to help balance out, you know, our roster the last couple of years. Um, but we've had, you know, two to three freshmen that play every year, you know, each class, you know, so out of the eight kids, we may have three to four that will play or pitch, you know, a significant amount of time. Um, so we, I'm, I'm an old school, I believe in development. I believe in giving kids that opportunity to, to, to fail. Um, you know, we're fortunate where we have, enough guys around them to help them and allow them to kind of have fail, but they're talented enough to help us out. So um, each year it changes, but for the most part, you know, we focus on the high school kid and um, you know, if we have a transfer, they have to kind of get on school on their own. We don't really like, you know, go live in the portal and try to, this kid's like, I just don't have, we don't have to worry. I don't do that. We don't worry about that. We're fortunate uh, in in one way. Yeah. And that's great. That's great for the high school player knowing that they're going to be able to come in and maybe have an opportunity to compete, you yeah. know, as a freshman, you know, and not have to worry about, you know, six kids coming in next year from the portal who right. are three years older, physically, you know, maybe a little stronger. They know they're get, you're going to have the have their back, and you're going to give them opportunities to see where they can can get to. Yeah, like anything, they still got to earn it. You know, obviously we have returning players that are, you know, but that that I think that part knowing that you have that chance to kind of just, you know, I always say it's about what opportunity you're going to, you know, everyone gets an opportunity. What are you going to do with it? Um, so having that chance for them is really important. Um, I think the more that, uh, you know, we can get kids to understand they have to be patient. You know, there's a level, no matter how good of a talented freshman you are, you have to be patient in, in some way to earn your stripes. And then once you get that opportunity, don't, don't let it go. You know, I think that's important. So we try to sh- preach that to our players. And we really worked with our development guys, our, what we consider our development guys, to make sure that they're getting all the reps they need to be ready, you know, make sure they're ready to go when their opportunity is called. And then, you know, obviously summer ball is a big part of our program too and getting guys to play summer ball um, and getting a lot, a lot of reps there to get ready for their next season. So it's kind of a full cycle that we try to provide them. But, um, yeah, it's, it's for us, we're fortunate. We don't have to rely on having portal kids. We just kind of take the kids we have and we'll develop them and let them compete. Yeah, the recruiting the recruiting process in terms of going to like a, a perfect game, World Wood Bat or something like that, your pool is kind of minimal, right? I mean, it's 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 kind of difficult. So you need to like identify. You're not going to go flip rocks down there. You need to go identify kids long before you get down there. Oh yeah, yeah. So like we're in that process now. We had a recruiting meeting this morning. And we just you know we go through our our, our local list. How we build out. Obviously, we recruit. We have you know 20 different guys from all over the country. Different 20 different guys from different states or. 20 states represented in our program. So we're all over. Um, Mid-Atlantic is obviously DC areas is important for us to get, find the best players we can. But we, we find, we hear about a good academic student uh, and people reach out to us like any academic school. That's, you know, people have an idea of, they want to go to this type of track. Um, but yeah, when we go to those events, we have, if we watch, you know, a set of games, we may be watching one kid on that whole team. Now we'll watch all the, the game, but like we're watching that one particular kid that met, meet, meets the academic standard and that has an interest in our, in our program um, has to kind of be a two way street, but yeah, we don't just going to go watch games and hopefully find run into somebody uh, happens from time to time. You know, you never know you get a, you get lucky run into a game. You're in between games. You watch a game. They have a couple of kids that fit academically and they can play, but 
for the most part, we're always, you know, try to have a list prepared to go down there with, you know, Pacific kids we need to go watch. So um, show ball, head first, those, those, those events versus um, a camp specific to uh, a prospect camp for Georgetown. Well, we eight out of our ten kids that are in our com- incoming class have come to uh, come to our, one of our camps. Um, so I think those have huge value for us on mm-hmm. campus. I think it allows players to connect um, and be see the campus. You know, we're off campus. Our field's off campus, so they have to kind of feel like what it's like to be a Georgetown player and and drive over from this campus to the field. Um, so I think all those things are um, it's important. If you're younger, you know, we can't talk to the kids, so just seeing them at campus. To get a feel for hey i like this idea i like the you know the environment you know kind of get a chance to know our coaching staff um you know i think it's it's always case by case everyone has different different path that they want to get on i think for us um we've had such great success with, with our camps of getting really good players um you know i kind of follow the model that stanford did for many years when they were running through really successful you know they, their, their their players were going through there at a high level um and it was really competitive, and I think that's we try to, to simulate that, but obviously make it our own. But um, kids that come to our camps, we we value that, and we think that hey, they have interest in us, we have interest in them, so we're, they're going to get a really good look and be with us for two or three days uh, at a given time all day. So it, it's really in, it's valuable time that they, you can't really get at other events or anything like that. But they're all a lot of great events out there, and I think they're all um, you know they're good for each individual person to make that decision best for them. Guys, your roster's uh, national. I mean, you're you're all over the country because of the yeah. academic part of it. So you'll get guys from, you know, that are looking for an academic environment and a and a Division One program. So you, uh, so are the guys that are not local? Because you're talking about the Virginia, D.C. area, Maryland, um, that are not um, like bird dogs for you. You know, the, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, you know, like all of us, we, my, my coaching staff, we have a wide, you know, network. Uh, I, I'm from, I mean, I've coached all over, so I have a wide network. But, our, um, you know, our assistant coach, he was at Army, so he had to recruit nationally. Uh, my, my pitching coach, George Cape, and he, he recruited at Holy Cross nationally. Um, my assistant coach, um, Brock Keener, he was at Army and played at Michigan, so he, had a, he has a wide net. And our, our assistant coach, Shervant Johnson, uh, he's from the Atlanta area. So, you know, we've had – uh, and we have a wide network. I think we, we, we lean on people we trust in the baseball community, right, that we know that we can kind of give us the truth about a kid or, or and scouts. You know, we, I use a lot of times, I'll, hey, what do, you, what do you think about this kid? Have you seen him play? And, you know, we use that. And a lot of times we, we'll call the high school coaches, we'll call the travel coaches, but we'll call the other coaches that play against that kid. Hey, what do you think about that kid? And get, get that information because I think that's just as valuable, or if not more valuable than calling their high school coach or travel coach hey, you know, this guy's really good, but how does that opposing team view that kid, right? And so, that, like, that's, you know, we're talking about eight to ten kids a year. We can't miss on makeup. We can't miss on that kid. we got to make sure we have the right – obviously, talent's easy to identify. Their grades are measurable, but they're, those intangibles, that's where we, that's where we kind of dig into that. Before. We, we kind of go slower in the process than probably a lot of schools just to make sure we don't make mistakes in that component. We're not perfect, but, you know, you're going to miss on talent sometimes, but we try to really miss on makeup and character. Um, yeah. Those things are so important because if you have that and you maybe you miss a little bit of a talent situation, we can work towards that if they're willing to get better. Right. And that's kind of part of the process. We identify those traits that we want to have in our program. Yeah. And that's a great, I think that's a really good point. And I love that you call the opposing coaches because yeah. 
you know as well as I do. It's, when you call a high school coach or the travel coach his kid, of course he's going to tell you all the, the positive things that, that that player does. But when you call an opposing coach, you get the real feel of what that kid does, just like you said before, after he lets up a home run or, you know, what does he do after a, a strikeout in a crucial situation? Those are the things that the travel coach or the high school coach may not tell you, right. but the opposing coach will. So, you know, I love that aspect of it. Yeah. I, I, you know, the, there's definitely guys out there that'll, that'll say, and we've done it. I'm sure Chris has done it. We've done it many times. And it's like, you know, listen, I'll put my stamp on the athlete. I won't put my stamp on the personality. You guys figure it out from there. You know what I mean? Like if you're going to call me about like the dude can play, he can yeah. play, but you don't want to manage this guy. And, and I, we tell the kids all the time, you know, listen, you get away with a lot here because you, it, it's, it's almost a pay to play environment, right? You're, you know, you're on the roster. We're going to try to get you as much playing time as possible, get you exposed. But, um, you know, you go to the next level where, you know, there's jobs on the line, there's there's championships to be chased, and everybody's got eyes, eyes set on Omaha. A coach is not going to spend more time on one individual just to kind of get him in line with everybody else. So, um, but that, that I mean, that that's, um, there is a talent to that on the recruiting side to find out the makeup of the kid because you guys see a lot of one-off kids, right? He comes to camp for a couple of days, has a great camp. You really don't know what he is. Socially, personal, personality-wise, um, you know, is is he uh, is he an egomaniac? Is he a selfish individual? Is he going to be a cancer in the dugout? Um, and you got to weed that out. I mean, you got you got to figure it out. I mean, we, you know, we talk all the time. You know, give me all the grinders. You mm -hmm. know, give me all the grinders. Give me nine grinders in the roster, and um, you know, that know how to take care of the business on the field and off the field, as well as you know, when the, when the switch is turned on and, and go get it. I'll compete with those. Like you say, the, the skill level may be a notch off from here to there, but, you know, you know what you're going to get every single day. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's a, that's an interesting – it's not it's not, it's not an easy piece because you can you – know, your recruiting coordinator comes to you and goes, well, what do you know about him and his family and everything else? So it's a, it's, it's, it's a, it's a deep dive. Um. So you did time. You did time, like Andrew and I, with uh, with USA Baseball. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, that is a great piece of, of our makeup here. You know what we what we enjoy probably as much as anything else is the fact that it isn't pay to play. You got to earn your way. Um, but you've coached. You've you know you you you've evaluated and you've coached uh, along the way. Tell tell us a little bit about your experience with uh, with USA Baseball and if you still have some connectivity with it. Yeah, it's um, truly a blessing to be a part of it. Um, you know, as a kid, you know, back, I remember, you know, just getting baseball cards with the guys with USA Baseball across the chest was like, that was pretty, pretty cool to be a part of that someday. And then I think my first one was I was a, just a member of a task force and just was uh, and, and was just just there taking evaluating, kind of work my way up. And I was able to be a um you, know, you didn't have to evaluate the uh, the eleven news right off the get go, did you? No, I didn't. I was fortunate. <laughs> that's a high school. That's a rough task, man. I don't yeah. know. I don't know if evaluating the eleven news is as tough as managing the eleven new parents. Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, I was able to do that, and I was able to kind of work my way up a little bit. And I've been uh, last couple of times I've done it. I've been a, a manager for the NTDP, the seventeen U. Uh, I've been on the um, you know pitching coach, pitch, pitching staff. I've been kind of a lot of different roles. They kind of throw me infield, you know, last year I was working with the infielders and running, running the team. So I've kind of been very fortunate to, to be a part of it now for, I think about 10 years or getting close to 10 years or more. 
um, since I've kind of joined the the, the, the the opportunity to be with them. So um, I'm just grateful that, you know, they give me they give me a call when they want me. And I kind of very rarely do I say no, just because it's outside of a scheduling situation. But uh, the, the experience of you get the best players in the world or in the country, but then you're able to kind of they have they still have to be taught. Right. And that's what I love about you know, one, it's fun to work with the elite of the elite, but then like they still are just 16, 15 year old kids that ones I deal with that have to be taught the game and how to play. And I think that's part of um, the joy that is going there. It's like seeing the elite talent, but then it's like they're still learning the game. And I think that sometimes is is more fun than anything. And it's seeing that little bit of light bulb go off like, OK, that's why you you take an inside turn on your base running or that's why you do this. It's like those moments are uh, just as fun as watching, you know, 95 97 on the mound or elite you know hitters and so that part makes it fun but just the people that that that, that's definitely a rabbit hole that we've gone down several times before because i we you know we see the athlete you know you know he's grown up on youtube he's he's bigger he's stronger he's faster it's all it's all like andrew says a highlight um but the aptitude and the instinct is something that kind of dissipated along the way i mean i remember you know i mean you grew up and you knew how to play, but a lot of times you, you grew up playing by yourself and you figured it out. Mm-hmm. You know, you didn't have the, you know, your parents and all this, you know, organized baseball going on around you. So, um, you know, when these kids are stepping on campus or we see them at, you know, in high school and everything, I'm blown away. Um, and maybe because I'm, I'm fortunate that I played in a, in a, in a time when we didn't have all this uh, attention on the individual and the attention was on the game and on the team, but blown away by the lack of baseball intelligence strategy, two strike approaches and all these different things that are the mental piece of the game. It seems that, uh, you know, that's, that's fallen off. Have you seen that? And, and how do you try to identify that in players when you're recruiting? Yeah, you try to see that to the recruiting process, but we, we, once we get them to, once we get them, we treat them all the same. You know, I tell my staff, don't assume anything. Don't assume that they know anything. Treat them like I would my youth camp. And we literally start from a foundational component to make sure we go over as everything we possibly can in the game of baseball, um, how to deal with this, how to deal with that. Fundamentals are, are critical. I think, you know, there's my like my outfitters, we don't touch a baseball for the first couple of practices. We just do all footwork just to make sure they, they know their bodies and how that. So I think it's just um, really teaching, you know, teaching the kids um, to make sure that they they by the time that they leave, or at least by the end of the fall, for us, for the most part, they're ready to go play somebody. But they also have that knowledge and that skill where hopefully they can pass it on down to younger players as they grow. Um, but yeah, we see it all the time. I mean, the lack of base running techniques, um, you know, just the aptitude, like you said, just things that we kind of just ended up doing because we were playing a lot outside and playing in the park or whatever growing up. You just kind of learn that. But now it's like, they don't, they don't do that as much. And they just, like I said, just playing the games and without having the practice component um, has changed, but we just make sure we don't let that be an excuse. We just make sure we teach what we, all the things we need to get in. Um, and then, you know, but you, you can kind of see that to a point in, in the recruiting process, but even if they have those things they're lacking, we just say, well, we'll get them, we'll teach them. So that's our job to help them get better. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's an unfortunate piece because you're talking about a freshman going in and, Again, he's, he may go in athletic, but he may not go in as a baseball player. And, uh, you know, then it's tough to get on the field mm-hmm, because, yeah. um, you know, and you're dealing with older, older guys that have been around the game, you know, now with, you know, COVID and the, and the free year and that, um, 
you know, 23, 24 years old, been around the game for a while, especially at the collegiate level. Yeah. And they understand how the, how the game is supposed to be played and how to execute and what the scenario is and the situation is. And it's, you know, and, it, you know, just simple things, Ed. You know, I mean, just, you know, a, a guy can't get around on a fastball, but the center fielder doesn't move a step to the left or the shortstop doesn't move a step to the left. So, you you know, as coaches, you have to have eyes on everybody and everything instead of just, okay, you can you can roll out a lineup that, that can make most of the adjustments on their own. Um, it's, it's, it's a different it's a different it's a different environment to uh, mm -hmm. we see it with USA baseball. And like you said, we see it with some of the best talent in the country. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, you, you're explaining to them, like, you know, this is how this game is supposed to be played. There, there, there's a, and I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of it. It's called Six Tool. And I don't know if you've heard about Six mm -hmm. Tool. but Yeah, they're from Maryland. It, it's John Rosen and that group right there, man. It's, it, it, it lays out scenarios, and you can build a quiz for all the kids in your organization. So, it, it, you know, it's, it, it's teaching them along the way. And, you know, when the answers come back, if the answer is wrong, now you can pinpoint, you know, what part of the game that they don't understand how to play, and then you can attack it. So I think it's – Yeah, it's a great it's a great tool. That we're we're going to jump into that next fall with our kids. And, um, you know, we give our kids a physical exam, right, and, and then right. we give a hitting, hitting exam, a pitching exam, kind of like a, a fastball test or progression test, whatever that be. But a lot of times we don't do the mental part, you know, for teaching them the ins and outs of the game. So we try to do that, and that's something we're going to – add to our, our toolkit uh, next next fall uh, with our kids. So, Edwin, how important is uh, the technology now coming out? Every every week it seems like there's a new piece of technology coming out to aid players and also to help coaches teach. What do you guys use? So what do you like and what do you use at Georgetown? Yeah, I think it's it's a balance. There's a lot of, a lot of information. And I think that's the part that if you – allow the technology, it can overwhelm you with all this and that, and how to, like, I always try to go back to the basics, right? So like we will use the Rapsodo, we have Blast, we, we're in the process of getting um, the Yakker tech and the tech track man and all that stuff. Um, but I think, how do you implement that to your players? That's the key. You can have all the information, all the data, but, but at the end of the day, is a kid competitive? Are they prepared? They know what their role is, they know who they are as a player. And then how do you add those, those, those things that are resources that are, are provided for us to help them enhance that? I think, we try to do a, a really good job of, of blending that information with the technology, but not overwhelming them, especially like when it comes to scouting reports. I mean, there's endless amount of, of information you can give, but you know, we have, they have a lot going on. They're not, they're not pros yet. So trying to find that balance, I think that's the key with technology. That's the best thing I can tell you is the, the balance of not uh, using the information that's there, but not give them too much where they're going to get overwhelmed and inundated, inundated with all the different things that come with, uh, all the information that's out there. So just trying to find that balance. And I think we do, we try to do enough to give them uh, measurables and show them, hey, here's some things here. Here's what it's showing. Here's the data showing you. But hey, here's the reality. Here's what it's showing on the field. You know, and I think that's something that. Um, I think it's, uh, it's a lot, lot like sabermetrics. Yeah, there's overload to it, right? There's a, there's, a, there's, there's a lot of good stuff that sabermetric brings to you. And then there's there's overload. So we have we have Yakertech down here at our facility. And uh, it's a lot. I mean, you can, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of information, but, uh, you know, you talk about blast. I love blast because it's, it's a, it's a simple three step, yeah. you know, right here, you on plane, you connecting and what's your rotation. Um, you know, and that, that pretty much tells you, you know, this is where you need to be when you're, when you're, you know, when you start your swing and, and that contact. So it's yeah. a pretty valuable tool for something, you know, mm -hmm. not as sophisticated in a sense. I won't say it's not sophisticated, right. but it's not, data overload yeah. 
Um, because even for the coaches, right? I mean, how many coaches are, are I mean, I, I, I struggle with turning this thing on every day and, and, and just logging into a Zoom call, let alone freaking, <laughs> you know, dissecting everything that's in Yakker. Yeah, and I think that's, that's why it's so important to, as coaches out there, to like, I always say, don't, don't do more than you know. Like, just stick to what you know. And if you don't know it, really learn it before you start giving it to your players and teaching them or talking about stuff you really don't know about because there's so much stuff. Like, we try to be educated about it and then try to provide that, that feedback based off the data and what we see with our eyes and have that balance. And I think that's as best you can in, in this day and age. There's so much stuff going on every five seconds, something new's coming out. So stick to what works and stick to what you like. But um, there's a lot of good there's a lot of good tools out there for sure that are um, more more simple, a little simpler than some others. But it depends on how much you want to dive into. Okay, a couple two questions. Um, velo versus pitchability. Now you, you've gone from being an outfield to a pitching coach. Yeah. Right. So natural progression, natural strength can create velocity. Some guys just throw harder than others. Other guys can develop in velocity. But do you see? kind of a, a trend back to guys that can throw strikes, change speeds, move, you know, instead of just mass guy fastballs, blowing people away or, you know, fastballs every time you get behind in the count. Yeah. I think it's, it's kind of like the analogy that I try to give is like, if you're like a point guard and you're a little like Kevin Durant, he was like, at some point he was a, a point guard, right. And still yeah. is to some level or LeBron, like they were shorter and they had to learn all the skills that a, a point guard would learn, you know, dribbling the ball with both hands, just shooting the ball, rebounding, and then they got really big. And so their skill set there, now their game has expanded because they can do so much more things, pull the defense out. Same thing with a pitcher. A pitcher that can throw strikes at a younger age, um, 10, 11, 12, that doesn't have the velocity yet, uh, is so valuable because if you watch any college baseball game, for the most part on a middle-of-the-week game, you're going to see a guy that's 86 to 88. That's, if they can throw strikes, they're going to kind of get through the middle part of that game and give your team a chance. Where a lot of times the guy that's 93 to 96 that – as, as one pitch or one, maybe two, they'll say that a lot of times we'll get hit. So it's like, it's like, again, do we love velocity? Sure. But can you have both? Yeah. We had one last year. Jake Bloss was a third rounder player of the year in the big East. He was 95, 97 could pitch command it and spin it and all those things. So those guys are rare, but there, there's a lot more velocity in the game than there. I think there ever was at least in the college game, but those guys that can pitch, they find ways to get guys out. And at the end of the day, I like, I, I like out getters. Those are what I love. And um, so whatever that looks like, whether it's 80, 83, 85 left-hander that can kind of just keep you off balance that, and we throw him behind the guy that throws 93, 94, you know, we, again, our job is to win games. So uh, it doesn't matter what it looks like. If we get, get out, I'm happy. So I think. Throw strikes. Throw That's strikes. what it looks like, right? Throw, throw strikes. You know, the, um, you know, we look we look at guys in the big leagues now, and like fifth inning, they're done. You know, twice through the lineup, done, whatever. But they're predominantly power power pitchers. Power pitchers will throw more balls and will get more swings and misses, so their pitch count gets up earlier. And you know, everybody's guarded by pitch count. But mm -hmm. if you got a guy with with pitchability that can keep guys off balance and get soft contact all day long, yeah, you can get you can get through some pretty quick innings. You can get nine pitch innings from time yep. to time, and and get him deeper into the lineup, and then. I mean, deeper into the uh, into the game and kind of preserve your pen, yeah. um, if you have to. So, um, you know, I I I mean, I've I've faced guys along the way that were more frustrating because they just they carved and you didn't know what they were going to come with, and then other than guys that are just going to reach back and try to blow you away because, you know, advanced hitters at the at the higher at, at Division One and Pro Ball and all that other stuff they 
they adjust and they figure out timing and um you know they'll they'll jump you um like you said they'll get they'll get it's funny it's interesting because you go down to spring training you see these guys throwing 100 miles an hour (laughs) in spring training and they're just trying to get balls over the plate they're just trying to get but they're getting raped they're getting raped so um you know different uh different approach well um andrew you got anything no, I'm good on my end. Yeah, Chris, got anything more for uh, for Edwin? No, this is great. Really informative. Uh, and, and I think, you know, being at a school like Georgetown, it's, it's good that people can hear what, what you're looking for. You know, of course, they know academically, but that's the biggest question we get all the time from parents. You know, what, what type of player, you know, what, what type of, you know, infield, outfield they're looking for, pitchability, things like that. And it's yeah. good to hear, um, you know, that somebody at, at, at your level academics is a nice balance of baseball academics and, and the social. That, that's really important, I think, for kids to, to understand. Because we try to okay. tell people all the time, hey, you got to be someplace that you love being if baseball wasn't part of it. Right. So. Yeah. My, la- my last question, okay. The biggest deficiency you see in youth coaching today is it pitching, fielding, hitting, base running, catching? Like where, where, where is, where is that, that piece is not enough attention given to? Yeah, I would say base running. You know, I think base running is an area that, I mean, you run the base in the practice, but they're just running the base. There's no technique to it. Um, why they run it, how they run it. I think they're, I think, I think just generally speaking, you know, again, just watching a lot of games at, at youth is just, um, just be professional, you know, like they're kids, like let them play, let them have fun, make sure they're engaged in a practice, have fun with it. Um, I think sometimes it, people take it a little too seriously for that youth level. I mean, I think it's, um, it's, we're all competitive in nature to win, but at the end of the day, like, you know, we, we had a youth camp and you know, I had some parents come up and they're like, I'm like the kid's six, like just, just let them be in the backyard and yeah. toss the ball up and hit it. Pretend he's a big leaguer. Like just, just, yeah. just enjoy that process. I think, um, and then I think as much as you can do is learn, you know, like we're having a coaching clinic coming up for free to, to allow youth coaches to come out and watch us try to find coaching clinics or ABCA or different things that are out there, different uh, USA has those events. And so just learn, learn as much as you can to, to be the coach that you want to be. But then again, don't try to do more than you don't know, more than, you know, just keep it simple. Uh, you, mean, you mean the philosophy isn't to go poach one of the better nine new players and build a national level team? That's not think, that's not the philosophy. I don't think that's the ideal uh, no. journey that you need to be on. But Man. to each zone, I don't really judge what everyone and somebody does. But I just know that <laughs> it's uh, you know, I know it's out there. And I think it's one of those things. But I think yeah, just generally, just the overall baseball, the fundamentals. Um, I think sometimes can get lost in a in a youth or a younger travel or youth level coaching just just do the fundamentals it sounds basic but yeah. last i checked the guys in the big leagues are doing t work the guys in the in the, in the in the in the big leagues are doing on their knee infield drills the guys in the big leagues are doing mirror drills for pitchers like so it's just yeah the kids may not like it may not be cool but like they're doing the same things and i think as much information that's out there as a younger coach you know we show our guys like hey look at clayton kershaw doing a mirror drill by himself like look at these guys at the big league level doing the drills that we're teaching them. So it kind of resonates with them to say, Hey, what we're teaching you is exact same stuff they're doing at the next level. And I think at the youth side, the same thing can be said if they can go watch a practice or game in their area, high school, it doesn't matter um, depending on what age you're talking about, but it definitely has um, can help you as a coach, but also allow you to your players be like, okay, well, 
coach, tell me what we do T work. I guess if it Aaron, works for Aaron judge, I should do it myself. Right. Or right. whatever, whoever your favorite player is. So, um, but it, practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. Right. So if you're doing these drills and you're doing the T work and you're doing all this other stuff, have the right people around you that know what they're doing and make sure yeah. you're, you're doing it the right way because how many guys you see put a ball on a tee and they just start ripping, you know, yep. balls up to the left side of the cage. And, right. You know, it's just like, dude, no, that's, that's not going to help you. Yeah. Help you Obviously I have a plan to be organized, but yeah, I think those yeah. are all. So you guys are, um, you're in practice now. Um, yep. you, uh, you're, you're indoors, you having your indoor redone, mm-hmm. right? You, so yep. you're, that, that's another right uh, recruiting tool that you're upgrading. Yep. Um, yeah, and then we uh, we open up in an MLB Desert Classic. Uh, in in um, Major League Baseball has an event out in Arizona at the um, so we play three different teams, kind of like a regional setting on MLB Network or MLB.com. One of them will be on all of me out streamed, and uh, we play Grand Canyon, we play Cal and Kansas State to open up our season. So um, we're we're less than I guess twenty something days now, so it's coming gotta come quick. But this weekend in the, in the DC area, we sixties on Friday, fifties on Saturday and Sunday, so. A little rain tomorrow, but we'll be fine to get ready out for the weekend and be, be, be all be all lined up to get ready for our opening opening day in a few weeks. You guys will show up in Arizona tougher. Yeah. Ready we'll to go. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so if, if you don't win the game, you'll take them behind the stadium and take care of business. Okay. <laughs> well, Edwin, man, we can't thank you enough for taking the time uh, and, and, and giving us insight into the program. Um, Absolutely. George, George, uh, Georgetown and where do you guys where are you guys stacking up in the conference right now? What's what's the preseason projection? Yeah, I mean the last two years, uh, ourselves, University of Connecticut and Xavier are the only two teams that made it to the postseason the last three years or two years. So we, we hope to be back in that in that mix again. Only four teams from our conference make the the conference tournament. Um, so I think you know, like any coach, I mean I think we'll, we're predicted in the middle of the pack, uh, fourth, third or fourth. So depending on what poll you look at, um, but I think we have a really good veteran team that's experienced and, and hungry to. You know, we haven't we've never been to a regional the program. So um, that's our our first step is to, you know, get to the conference tournament, try to win that and get to get that large if we can. And our schedule, I mean, we played Duke, we played Wake Forest, we got Ohio State, we got Virginia, Boston College, Maryland. So we have a really good non-conference Man, schedule. You've got a serious schedule right there. You yeah. Got an RPI right there. Holy cow. Yeah. yeah. So it's yeah. a balance, right? Scheduling is an important right. one. But I think yeah. uh, we wanted to challenge this group. And I think it's one that, um, you know, we'll have to go out and let the games kind of dictate them. But. Yeah, we, we think we're right right there at the top of our league or in, in that mix, at least in that consideration. And, you know, that's our expectation in our program. Kids that want to come here to play at a high level, uh, they get the high, high academics. We want to give them a high baseball experience as well. So um, that's makeup right there. When you want to when you want to be challenged, mm-hmm. when you you embrace it. You go after it, man. That's yeah. that's makeup. Yeah. So, uh, well, that's uh, you're uh, you're doing a good job, man. And right, appreciate uh, we're we're. we're we're excited for you guys and, and happy that you took the time to spend with us and uh, educate our listeners and yeah. uh, the insight to the program. So good luck this year. Another 500, a better season. And That's let's it. see you get to a regional. That's that'd be the goal. And thanks for all you do for the game of baseball and serving underprivileged communities. And uh, I think that's such a huge part of our game that can be added in simple ways, like all the things you do to the big ways, the things you do. So I appreciate what you guys do and the platform you guys provide a lot of, a lot of student athletes that don't have that, have that chance normally. So thanks to you, what you guys do and, and, um, you know, look forward to uh, following and we'll be connected as always. Great. Well, we love the game. It doesn't always love us, right? It's like that, it's like that, that beauty in the bar, man. I love her. She don't like me so much. (laughs) 
All right, Lewin, thanks, right. man. We really appreciate your time, and uh, we'll be in we'll be in touch. Thank you. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Ed. Great. Yeah, see you guys. So, see you later. Chris, that was phenomenal. That was really good. I, I, you know what? It's, uh, I'm always, uh, I don't say, I'm not, I'm not like amazed. I'm just, um, I, I guess I feel proud that these are the people that are in, in our game. You know what I mean? When yep. you start to have conversations with, you know, a Tom Walter and Alan Beck and Edwin Thompson, you know, we can go down a list of guys that we've had in the era, a McGuire, um, you know, I mean, Jake Hendrick that's here has just, uh, has been phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, you know, go down a list of, uh, you know, we're leaving a, a, a number of number of people out of that scenario, but you know, there's good people out there, and it's uh, it, it's good to hear that it's just not every bit of it is baseball. You know, it's the right. human touch to this thing that, uh, and especially you know. at schools like that, that, that he knows, like he he's been there. He knows how rigorous the academic program is, and he knows that's probably the you know the most important piece of why kids choose to go to school there so he he i i think he he gets that and he gives them that flexibility you know it's just not banging their head every day you know they want to win but there's mm-hmm. definitely a, a good balance yeah he's been i mean he's been at Bates, um he's been at duke you know and now he's you know here he is uh you know at georgetown and again these these programs they're difficult to win in you know, because of the you know the you look at the Ivy Leagues, yep. um, you know it's, it's they go out and compete because they want to compete. You know, but right. there's really no massive hope for going to a College World Series. But you know, it's, when's the last time one of those programs have been an Ivy League school has been to the College World Series? Yeah, you know, we've had Davidson down here that is basically an Ivy League type of school that uh, you know they got to a, got to a super. Um, and we, you know, that was, that was thrilling. And we knew all the players on that team and none of them were the man coming mm-hmm. out of, uh, you know, out of, out of high school. They were good players and, but they knew how to play the game and they caught a little bit of lightning in the bottle and, um, and they, you know, they got a tremendous experience. So I, I, I hope that for him, he's taking that program and turned it pretty quick. Um, you know, 31 years under 500, that's some painful stuff. That is, <laughs> you know. So, all right. So, um, Architect Sports. I want to thank Architect Sports. Obviously, advocacy baseball consultants. You know, we're, we're helping athletes move on to the next level uh, through our network and our connectivity. Um, Ali Faber, the stretch lady, who's part of our our uh, academy program. And uh, that's it. It's lunchtime, Andrew. I'm hungry, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying. I'm doing this fasting thing. Mm-hmm. Not not by design. It's just because we're redoing the kitchen in the house, and there's no food. <laughs> So the only time I get to eat is like when I get out. So uh, I'm starving right now. It's time. You game? I got to get some stuff done, but I, I'm game after. Oh, I, I don't know if I can wait. Okay. You'll wait for me. <laughs> well, Chris, thank you, man. We'll uh, we will talk to you soon, and we appreciate everybody listening to the Schaefer Baseball Report again. So peace out. Thanks. <laughs>